Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Sunday. We do this once a year and uh, really it's just looking back at the past 12 months and then looking ahead at the next 12 to 24 months where God has uh, brought us, what God has done. I want you to grab your Bibles and I want you to go to the book of Matthew. Go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. As you're going there, look at the person next to you and tell them you look great this morning. Come on, look at the person on the opposite side and tell them you look better than the first person I turned to. Hey, uh, Vision Sunday, we do it at the beginning of every year, but uh, this year pushed it back a little bit because we decided to do the relationship series. Did the relationship series help anybody? Anybody enjoy that series and talked about single, dating, or married? And I think it helped all of us to grow in our relationships and so... We're super excited about that, so we postponed this a little bit, but I'm excited to preach it today. And I hope you came ready for some church. Come on, anybody came ready for church? Uh, come on, I think Wes Kendall was a little bit louder and red. Come on, anybody came ready for some church? Matthew chapter 17. We just had some church in West Kendall. I mean, I almost didn't leave that place. It was amazing. But I think the day's going to continue to get better and better and better and better. And I think God has something for us here in this service. And I want to preach this the way I feel this in my heart. And so um, let's really get ready to hear God's word for our lives today. Amen. Matthew chapter 17, go down to verse 14. If you're there, can you shout amen? It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not. They could not. They could not heal him. Jesus then replied, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long should I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring that boy here. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like Jesus to talk to me that way. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Somebody say, at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why, why couldn't we drive it out? They came to him in private. They didn't want to talk in front of everybody and be embarrassed. So, Jesus, how come we couldn't do it? And it says he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Somebody say move. Oh, come on. Somebody shout move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Can we read that last sentence together? Come on. Nothing will be impossible for. Come on, one more time. Nothing will be impossible. Come on, with all you got, come on. Nothing 
will be impossible for you. Come on, as we all got our notebooks out, if this is your first time at Calvary, we love taking notes in your notebooks, notepad, iPad. I want you to write this down. Today I want to talk to you from this title. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Come on, one more time. Nothing is, high five three people around you and tell them nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Let's pray and then we'll get into the word. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy. I thank you for what you've done across our church. Thank you for 2020, God. Thank you that you're a faithful God and you brought us here. I pray that today your word will come alive, evident, and it will do something in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit, in our mind. God, speak to us today. Have your way. Thank you for every person tuning in across YouTube and our live stream, our online community, church and family. Thank you for Kendall Campus, City Campus, and thank you for West Kendall Campus. God, we pray that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, all of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. One more time. Can you make some noise for Jesus with all you got? Come on. Um, I don't know about you, but I absolutely enjoy airplanes. I love airplanes. I enjoy long flights. I love being in the airport, getting on an airplane. It's the absolute, I love flying on airplanes. Anybody love flying on airplanes? If you're with me, come on. Wait, wait a minute. Are there some people in here, you're absolutely terrified of flying. You don't like it. You get uncomfortable with it. Anybody here, you don't like flying. Okay. We'll pray for you after service. But I love flying. It's the absolute best. One of the things I love about flying is sitting in a window seat. I love looking out the window of an airplane. I mean, I've seen the most beautiful things looking out the window. I'll never forget a few years ago, we got invited to the Hillsong Conference in Sydney, Australia. Now, Sydney had been on our bucket list. It, it's been one of those places where I've been wanting to go for ages. And we got to go to Sydney, Australia. By the way, it's a 24-hour flight. I saw all kinds of things out that window. But 24 hours, I'm seeing that. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget when we're approaching Sydney, Australia. I'll never forget. We, we were landing when it was sunrise in Sydney. Sun was rising over Australia, over Sydney. And out the window, I could see the Sydney Harbor. I could see the city. And saw the most beautiful view of Sydney. Sitting on a window is absolutely beautiful. The thing is, I struggle because I love window seats, but I also love leg room. Anybody love some good leg room? And so lately, I've been flying on exit rows. I found out you pay a little bit more, you sit on an exit row, and you have all the leg room you want. You can lay down if you want, and you just, I mean, you have all the space in the world. The problem is, most exit rows don't have windows. And so do I want leg room? Or do I want a good view? So I am fighting between a window and leg room. Now, there's some of you here, you're like, oh, that's easy. Go to first class. God bless you. I'm not there yet. Pray for your brother. But pray for your boy. You know what I mean? But, but I'm, I'm debating between the two. I never, the other day I was riding and I was on an exit row and I didn't have a window. And I wanted to see where we were landing. Um, so I didn't have a window, but the person behind me had a window. And I said, thank God for recliners. Come on, somebody. And I pressed re the recline button, and I have reclined so far back. I think the back of my head was in this person's chin. Like, I just reclined all the way back. I'm going to look out your window. And I'm sorry if this disturbs you. I like sightseeing. I'm going to take pictures, right, because I want a good view. 
And I had to lean back because my view was obstructed. Have you ever had an obstruction in your view? Has something ever blocked your view? Oh, there's something frustrating when something gets in the way and you can't see. I'll never forget a few years ago, uh, a bunch of us from church, we went to this conference. It was a whole lot of us. We, were, we occupied this whole front row at this conference. Not front row, but I mean kind of like this, but we all occupied a row. And, and, and we're about three, four songs in. Conference is going amazing. Everybody's worshiping. And about the third song in, a giant walks in. A giant walks in and he sits right in front of us. Right in front of us. Luckily, it wasn't in front of me. It was in front of my friend. My friend was frustrated. He's like, I can't see the worship singer. I can't see the screen. I can't. I promise you, I swore it was Goliath. Goliath is here. Goliath is here. I was looking for David and a sling. I'm like, the, the drama's going on. Some, this man was like eight foot two. And I'm like, my, I felt bad for my friend. He couldn't see who was preaching. I'm like, just listen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I'm preaching to him, right? Like, he couldn't see anything, right? When something obstructs your view, it's absolutely annoying. Now, having eyesight and being able to see, that's cool. It's all right. But I think it's much sadder when you have eyesight, but you lack vision. In fact, Helen Keller, she put it this way. Helen Keller said, it is worse, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but having no vision. Somebody shout vision. Vision is absolutely important because you can see with your eyes, but can you see beyond what your eyes can see? Vision is vital. We need vision for our life. Do you have a vision? Do you have a picture? Vision is a glimpse of what can happen, the possibilities of tomorrow. I think a lot of people don't know what they're doing today because they have no vision for their tomorrow. God, where do you want to take my life? God, where do you want to take my marriage? God, what do you want to do with this circumstance? God, what do you want to do with my family? God, where do I go with my career? God, which path do I go? If you don't have a vision for your life, you'll end up going anywhere. And so a vision, it kind of serves like guardrails, and, and it keeps you on the path. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so you need a vision for your life. You have a vision deep down inside. If you don't have vision, you'll go wherever, do whatever, sleep with whoever, hello, <laughs> smoke whatever, drink whatever, because you don't have a vision for your life. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, I love what it says, it, it puts it this way, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. When you don't have a picture of what God wants to do with your life, you'll do whatever you want. I don't know what God wants for my life. I don't know what 2020 is going to look like. I don't know where I'm going to be come December. I don't know, I'll do whatever. I'm just going to do whatever. So you just live life with no guardrails and you do whatever you want. You need a vision for your life. Get a vision for your life. Get a vision for your marriage. Get a vision for your family. I know where I'm going. God gave me a picture. God gave me a glimpse. I know what he wants to do in my life. I don't got all the details yet. I know there's some pieces that are missing, but I see the big picture in the end. Somebody shout vision. The big problem that happens, though, is that a lot of us, we let the invisible block the visible. Big problem that happens with a lot of us is that we allow what our eyes are seeing to block what God wants to do. Oh, we allow the visible struggles that we're up against 
to block the view and to stop the thing that God wants to do tomorrow in our life. And so some of us are sitting here in a service on a Sunday morning and we can't see past today because all of a sudden this marriage problem is too big. This divorce issue was too huge. This sickness, it got too bad. Oh, my bills, they're just too piled up. Oh, this situation is just too wild. My kids have just gone too crazy. I can't see past today. I can't see past right in front of my face. I got this situation in my life. I got this problem right in front of me and it's blocking my vision. It's obstructing my vision. I want to believe God for the future. I want to believe God for more, but I'm stuck here because I got something in front of me and there's people in here today that you can't get a vision because there's something obstructing your vision. Something is blocking your sight, but I'm believing that today nothing is impossible. You can leave out of here with a vision for your life. You can leave out of here with a vision for tomorrow because we serve a big God. Anybody believe that? You're letting the visible block the invisible. I wonder if God wants to do things in our life in 2020, but because we're too busy seeing what's right in front of us, we can't look up and get a view. I'm caught up in this mess. I'm caught up in this situation. I'm caught up in this struggle. I can't get out of this addiction. I can't get out of this bondage. I'm caught up. So I can't break loose. I can't get a, a vision. Vision for you. What's obstructing the view? Sometimes when the times get tougher and the situations get messier, we start to lose faith. You're saying, I don't know if I can make it past today. But this is where faith needs to stand up and look over the situation and be able to see over the horizon that God is still good, that God is still with us. And if God be for you, who can stand against you all the days of your life? Anybody believe that? So what do we do with our circumstance and our situation? And so what I want to tell you today is that if you can trust more, you can receive more. The more you trust, the more you can receive. If I can trust him in the middle of this struggle, oh, I know he can see me past it. If I can trust him in the middle of this madness, I know that he'll make it through the night with me. If I can believe God and hold on to him a little bit longer, I know that soon joy comes in the morning. I believe that today God wants to get vision for somebody. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what challenges are in front of you. You might be up against an impossibility, but God says all I need is an impossibility to make a miracle happen. Come on, that's the main ingredient for miracles. Give God an impossible and he makes a miracle. Anybody believe that you have a big God in this place? Can you give him a big shout of praise? Come on, somebody. What's obstructing your vision? What's, what's in the middle? Matthew chapter 17, I love this story. Jesus has gone up to a mountain with three of his best friends, the closest disciples he had, Peter, James, and John, the three best friends that anybody could have. <laughs> they go up to a mountain with Jesus, and up on the mountain, Jesus gives them a vision. It later on becomes known as the Mount of Transfiguration. It's the mountain of transfiguration. There on the mountain, Jesus reveals himself to his three best friends. Elijah and Moses show up. They have an incredible worship service up there. In fact, it's so good, Peter wants to build a church up there. Like, why don't we, should, we shouldn't even go back down. We'll build a church here. We're going to have an amazing campus here. We're not going back down nowhere. 
They have an amazing time up in the mountain. And Jesus shows himself to them in his glorified body. This is what I'm going to look like after resurrection. Anybody love previews? Oh, come on. He gave them the best preview ever. This is what, this is what it's going to look like when I defeat sin and death. When you get a good vision, it doesn't matter what comes tomorrow because you've already seen the end. Oh, come on, somebody. He gave them a vision. You're gonna be, there's going to be some hard times. Oh, I know you're going to see me hanging on a cross. And I know you're going to see a stone rolled in front of the grave. Oh, but you got a vision of what I'm going to look like three days after that. I'm going to resurrect. Come on, get a vision that will hold you through the dark time. They're up in the mountain having a vision. They're having a grand old time. They're having revival. They're having amazing. Vision Sunday. That's going to be amazing. But down in the valley, nine disciples have stayed. And there's nine disciples that now they're on struggle street because a situation has come out and this scenario is bad. There's a father who's come running to the disciples and he's like, help! I'm desperate. I need some help in my situation. My son, I think he's possessed by, have you ever been desperate in a situation? When you're desperate, you'll do whatever, go wherever, shout however, you won't even care. That's why you see some people in church that worship louder than another. It's not that they're trying to sing really good. It's that God has gotten them out of a whole lot. And that's why they worship God. That's why they don't mind looking crazy. Because you should have seen me a year ago. You should have seen me five years ago. I shouldn't have been here. But when you know God is able. The father says, help, my son. He's possessed by this demon. He's gone crazy, throws him into convulsions, and often it throws him into the fire and into the water. Keeps throwing him into the fire and into the water. Keeps throwing him into the fire and into the water. He's going to kill my son. Another gospel that shares the same story says he's a lunatic. They believe that as the moon changed was the condition of the sun. If the moon was a full moon, he'll go crazy. Some of us still act that way today. The moon comes out and you're howling. You're just like, oh, lose your mind. Wake up one day, you don't even know why, with an attitude with your wife. You wake up one day and you're cursing out your kids. You wake up one day and you're going down the Palmetto Expressway, honking at everybody with a one-finger wave. All of a sudden you're mad at your boss. You're mad at the employees. All of a sudden you're angry. All of a sudden faith levels are down. I don't know why I'm going crazy. And this situation that I'm in, this struggle that I'm in, this addiction that I'm in, it keeps throwing me into the same thing. It keeps throwing me into the same addiction. It keeps throwing me into the same struggle. And I can't get out. And there's no way it can release me. I'm trying to believe God, I'm going to church. I need to get in a connect group, but I'm caught up in this situation. Have you ever been caught up in a situation and you can't get out? I really believe that there's some people today, I don't know if you're here in the auditorium or if you're watching online, you're caught up. And I really feel this in my spirit. God says today is the day where he's going to release you. Today's the day where you're getting over that struggle. And so Jesus and three disciples, they're up on a mountain. While nine of them are down below. Let's do something. From, from right here, middle of the room, this way. When I point at you, can you shout mountain? This other side of the room, when I point at you, can you say vision? Three disciples are with Jesus and they're up on a mountain. Come on, somebody. They're up on a And they're getting a
We're having some church today. Come on. So some are in a mountain, and they're getting a vision. But there's some down in a valley that are up against this scenario that started as a molehill, and now it's become a, and they've lost their, three are getting a vision, nine have lost their vision. Three are seeing the glorified version of Jesus, nine have lost sight of Jesus, and because they lost the physical eyesight of Jesus, now they no longer even see him in a vision form. And now the scenario of a demon-possessed boy has become a mountain. Have you ever been up against a mountain of an impossibility? I was believing God for my marriage, and, and I thought my husband, he was about to come. He was, he was right there at Breakthrough, but now he just got more hard-headed. I don't know what happened. He just lost his mind. I was believing God for my kids, but all of a sudden, all of them have gone crazy. And you're up against a mountain. I, I was sick, but now I went to the doctor, and they told me it was, it, there was nothing they could do. They can't treat it. Incurable. I was up against this thing. I lost my job. I thought I was going to get better financially, but this molehill has become a mountain. The only way you can overcome your is with a clear today if you're up against a mountain get a vision for that mountain get a vision for that mountain Jesus comes down off the mountain with his three best friends they're all singing songs they're singing they're coming down off the mountain and all of a sudden a screaming dad comes running to meet them. Have you ever experienced the best things in church and as soon as you get out, there's always a devil that wants to take a joy? You're here in church like, this is amazing. I'm, I'm staying here for the one and the six. I'm going to be here all day. It's amazing. I don't want to leave. And as soon as you get out, you'll get a phone call you weren't expecting, a text you weren't expecting. Somebody gives you an attitude. Somebody in the parking lot cuts you off, honks the horn. Sorry, not at this church. That only happens at other parking lots and other churches. But you know what I mean. Right? Like, and all of a sudden, the devil want to come to rob the seed that God has planted in your heart. They come down from the mountain with a vision, and immediately there's these demon-possessed boys. The father comes running to Jesus. He says, Jesus, have mercy on my son. And you get desperate. You'll go anywhere and shout as loud as you can. He's possessed by a demon. It has him caught up. He's bound. Can't get free. And your disciples try to free him, and they couldn't. Ain't nothing worse than a snitch. <laughs> I took him to him, but they, didn't, they couldn't do anything. Help me, Jesus. The disciples are like, you didn't have to do that. You just could have brought him, and he would have prayed for him. Like, you didn't have to put us out there. And Jesus, how does he react, right? How does Jesus react? I can imagine, I got this picture of Jesus in my mind, right? I'm just head back, cool, calm. You wicked and perverse generation. Faithless. How long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to put up with this? Jesus, that's a little harsh. I was ready to beat Jesus. Seen him in posters all over Christian bookstores, and now you're here, Jesus, frustrated. Because there's nothing that frustrates the heart of God more than his sons and daughters losing a vision of his glory. There's some people here today that you're stuck and you don't have a vision. The 
God is frustrating. He's saying, hey, I'm trying to give you a vision. Open up your eyes. Open up your ears. I'm trying to give you a bigger picture of tomorrow. I'm trying to show you what I can do with your life. I know you can't see me visibly, but if you can open up your heart, if you can open up the eyes of your understanding, I'll give you a vision. What I want is for you to have a vision. But remember, the disciples, they didn't understand it. They were still arguing about who was going to be the greatest. They thought he was going to go into Israel and be the king and the ruler. And Jesus is like, wait, my vision and my glory is much bigger than that. I'm just not going to rule Jerusalem. I'm going to rule Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth because I'm the king of kings and I'm the Lord of lords and I'm seated on the throne forever and ever and ever. Come on, somebody, if you know he's the king, can you give God five seconds of praise with all you got? The disciples... The disciples have lost it. They've lost him physically. They can't see him. And so their vision now is gone. Jesus has gone out of the picture. And so now they begin to lose faith because the mountain in front of them is bigger than the vision that they had in their heart. You know why we need a vision? Three things. Let me finish with this. Three things why we need a vision in our life. You need a vision, number one, because a vision will keep you focused. Somebody say focused. Be careful because sometimes what's around you is going to want to get inside of you. What kind of environments are you moving in? What kind of circles are you walking in? Be careful that you're not walking around faithless and naysayers and pessimistic people who don't believe that God is able. People who say, what are you doing in church? I can't believe you're giving them of your time serving on Dream Team. What do you mean you give them your money, you tithe and you off? What's a tithe? Never understood a tithe. I thought it was a tithe. I don't know what you're doing. What are you doing there in church? I can't believe you're there every Sunday morning and you're going to what? Grow track? I ain't never heard of grow track in my life. What do you mean you guys get in connect groups throughout the week? I don't get it. God's not going to do anything with your life. I know where you come from. We're boys since high school. I know what you've done. There's no way that you can be a believer. There's no way that God can use you. Be careful that you're not around the faithless and perverse generation and all of a sudden what's on the outside starts to creep on the inside. You got to have a vision and say, I'm staying focused. No matter what people may say, no matter what the haters may say, no matter what the naysayers may say, I know I serve a God that he's bigger and he's able to do all things and nothing is impossible for him. And if he gave me a word and if he gave me a vision, I'm going to hold on to it. No matter how my surroundings get, no matter how dark the night gets, I got a vision. I'm focused. Come on, slap the person next to you and tell them I'm focused. Focused. I'm focused. God is looking for some people in 2020 that are focused, that say, I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a woman of God. I don't know about anybody else, but as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord all the days of my life. It may get difficult. It may get hard, but I'm focused on the picture that God has given me. Are you focused? The disciples, remember, they're just not around the Father. The Bible says that also around them are religious people, scribes. All kind of people, non-believers, naysayers, faithless people. And just imagine the scene as they try to cast this demon out and nothing's happening. <laughs> they follow Jesus. They're praying in the name of him, Jesus, God, who's up on a mountain right now. And the disciples, you start sweating there. You're like, in the name of Jesus, amen. You don't come out right now. Everybody's watching, and they're getting embarrassed. 
all of a sudden, what was wicked and perverse on the outside started getting inside. And the faithlessness of those around them has now creeped up in their own hearts. Maybe God hasn't come through for you in the way that you expected, and there's been some people that have left some comments. Be careful not to listen too much to the gossip and the rumors of what people are saying, because there's a word that is tried and tested, and it has stood the test of time. It's the word of God, and if he said it, I'm going to stand on it. Even if it takes a year, even if it takes five years, God promised that he would come through for me. And if he doesn't come through for me on this side of eternity, I'm going to believe that he's going to come through for me on the other side of eternity. But I'm staying focused on his word. Look what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. It says that Moses was leaving Egypt. And as he was leaving Egypt, he thought that being insulted for the sake of the Messiah was of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Somebody say looking ahead. No, you got to shout it. Somebody say looking ahead. Don't look at what surrounds you. Don't let your surroundings determine your faith. Don't let your circumstance dictate how much faith you're going to have in this situation. I'm not going to look at what's around me. Sometimes the picture ain't pretty, but I got a vision. Sometimes the days will get tougher, but I got a vision. So a vision that keeps me focused. Jesus says, the wicked and perverse generation. Another word for perverse is twisted. Your visions could be affecting your surroundings, not your surroundings affecting your vision. It's gotten twisted. Some of us in here, we came in here today twisted. Twisted in our mind, twisted in our hearts, twisted in our soul, twisted in our spirit. Because we've allowed what's on the outside to get on the So the second reason why we need a vision is because vision produces endurance. He's saying if you had faith like a mustard seed. The thing with a mustard seed is that it is small, it's tiny, you can't see it. You go all the way to back to the back of this auditorium, you cannot see it in my palm. It's tiny, but inside this tiny seed, oh, it has a whole lot on the inside. And the thing about mustard seeds, in ancient times, they actually wanted to take them out of the land. And in some places, they were illegal because mustard seeds became known as weeds because of the rapid speed that they grew and the rapid uh, speed that the trees grew. 
Oh, a mustard seed is tiny, but the tree is 20 feet tall by 20 feet wide. And it almost grows in, a, in 12 months. It grows, it grows fast. Overnight, it starts spreading all over the field. The mustard seed, you put it in the ground, and all of a sudden the roots, it'll start fighting through dirt. It'll through, start fighting through rocks. It'll start fighting through soil, and it won't let nothing stop it. A mustard seed, what happens is that it grows. Jesus is not just looking at the size of your faith. He's saying, is your faith growing? Because a faith can't be trusted unless first it's tested. And if it can't be tested, then it can't be trusted. And so I think we got a whole lot of people that come to church and say, I got faith. Until the first challenge comes. Until the first adversity comes. I got faith! 2020! So they cut out the light bill and there's no money. So you get a bad doctor's report like Henry. So you go home and you're served divorce papers. But you have faith as a mustard seed that grows and lets nothing stop it. Mustard seed became known almost as an infestation because they started spreading all over the place. All these big trees started popping up everywhere. That's why Jesus in another parable says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Starts off small, but soon it's going to be all over the globe with two billion Christians calling on the name of Jesus. Oh, do you have faith that even though it's small, over some time, you're going to overcome some challenges and you're going to overcome some impossibilities. Soon enough, you're going to have faith that will help other people. You're going to have faith that's going to be contagious and you're going to encourage somebody else because you persevered, because you had endurance, because through the hard times and the hard nights, you believe God. Do you have faith like that, Jesus is saying? go back to Matthew chapter 10 when Jesus first gave them authority over demons and sicknesses. The Bible says they prayed those people, they came back and they're like, Jesus, we did it. And he's like, all right, awesome. Wait for test number two. Some of us have aced test number one, but we're failing at test number two. And Jesus is, is trying to say, like, I'm trying to work out your faith. Same way that you go to the gym to work out muscles. You need the weight to get heavier for your muscles to get stronger. You can stay at five pounds all you want. It's great. I'm killing it. Crushing it. It's been three years crushing five pounds. Pick up a 50-pound curl and just start, come on, just start going at it. Your muscle's going to start ripping apart. All of a sudden, it's going to start to develop. Is your faith developing like a muscle? Is it growing? A lot of us, I think, we tap out. A lot of us, we say, we can't do this, God. But God is saying, if you want impossibilities to happen, you need to have a faith that grows. I remembered he got through, he got he got me through that three years ago. And if he got me through that three years ago, then he's going to get me through this today. And if he gets me through this today, he's the God that never changes. He's the God that remains the same. He'll get me through tomorrow. And if he gets me through tomorrow, he's going to get me through next year. He saw me through 2017. He saw me through 2018. He saw me through 2019. And I know my God. My God never changes. My God is always faithful. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm going to hold on a little bit longer. I'm going to persevere a little bit longer. I'm going to have some endurance. God is looking for some believers that can endure the hard times, that can go through the hard nights and say, I'm going to hold on. I'm not giving up no matter what people say. No matter, I'm going to go through the soil. I'll fight through the rocks and I'll climb like a tree. And you persevere. Get a vision because it will help you keep a vision. Jesus says, get a vision. 
if you have faith like a mustard seed, he says, then you'll be able to tell that mountain, move, and that mountain will move. And then nothing will be impossible for you. It's not about you. When I, when I read that, I'm like, okay, cool, Jesus, but I, I ain't never seen a mountain move. I ain't never seen one mountain move. Mountains been mountains for as long as they've been mountains in the same place. I think a lot of us, we think about mountains this way. We think about mountains being moved from the left to the right. Jesus, I ain't never seen a mountain be moved from the left to the right, from the east to the west, from the west to the east. And I don't think Jesus is talking about the left to the right or the right to the left. But I think when Jesus is talking about moving mountains, he's talking about from the front to the back. If you have faith like a mustard seed, You'll be able to tell that mountain in front of you, move, and it will move. If you have faith like a mustard seed, oh, come on, I believe God is getting ready to lift up some mountain movers in Calvary. I believe God is getting ready to lift up some mountain movers in Miami. Some people who are not afraid of a challenge. Some people that can stare at a mountain and say, you won't defy my God. You won't defy the spirit of God inside of me. You may be big, but my God is bigger. And I can say move, and I'll climb that mountain in the name of Jesus. And it's going to take some hard work, and it's going to take some boldness, and it's going to take some faith. But little by little, I'll start climbing. Little by little, I'll start getting higher. And when I get up to the top, I'll have a vision for tomorrow. And when I get all the way up there, I'll see that my God, he's the God of the impossible. And if he can get me up the mountain, he'll get me on the other side. Come on, anybody believe it? Come on, slap somebody next to you and tell them you're a mountain mover. Oh, come on, slap three people around you and tell them you're a mountain mover. Listen. As I was getting ready this week, listen, listen. As I was getting ready this week, I promise you, I really felt this in my heart. Some of you are going to get over your mountain this year. I don't know what that mountain has been. I don't know what that impossibility has been. I don't know if it's an addiction. I don't know if it's a habit. I don't know if it's a sickness. I don't know if it's a divorce. I don't know if it's a bad marriage. I don't know if it's a broken family. But this is the year that you move mountains. This is the year that nothing is impossible for you. Not because you're good, but because our God is great. Not because you're awesome, but because my God is mighty. Not because you got it all together, but because my God, he holds it all together. Come on, somebody. Somebody shall move. Shall move to that sickness. Shall move to that disease. Shall move to that situation. Shall move to that impossibility. Shall move to that mountain in front of you. Tell them move in the name of Jesus. You're not going to hold me back any longer. You're not going to hold me down any longer. If God be for me, who can be against me? All the days of my life, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. My God is a provider. My God is a healer. My God is awesome. My God is great. My God created the mountains. And I won't let the creation stop what the creator wants to do. My God is on my side. My God is the one that helps me. Come on, somebody shout move. Some mountains are going to be moved in 2020. When you haven't gotten a vision, but when you get that vision, number three, you can overcome it. 
impossibilities. Get a vision, get a vision, get a vision. I really felt this in my heart. God's giving some people a picture, a picture, a picture, a picture of the vision he wants to give you for 2020, a picture for your family, a picture for your future. You've been living without a picture. You've been living without a vision. And you've let the mountains in front of you stop you from dreaming, believing that God is able. As a church, what does it mean for us? That no mountains too big that God can't overcome. There's no mountain too big in our city that God can't help us overcome. There's no mountain too big for our leadership that we can't overcome. I'll finish off with this. Sorry, I went a little bit over time, but in the year 2016, um, our church went through a, a transition period. It was a hard transition. It wasn't an easy transition. 2016 and before, me and Diana were the youth pastors here, and uh, we were loving life. We were jumping off ladders like Phil and having the best time ever and no responsibility and just... And our church went through a, a very hard time, and it went through a, a tough trans transition. And literally the board tapped on our shoulder, me and Diana, and said, hey, would, would you guys take on the leadership of Calvary Church? We believe that God has called you, and you guys can do it. And we didn't even believe that we could do it ourselves. And we started talking and praying and talked to our parents, talked to our family, talked to the pastoral team here and the leadership team here which, by the way, is the absolute best, every single person that works here full-time and all the pastors. And, and we decided to say yes, but sometimes you say yes and you don't even know the mountain that's in front of you. And 2016 was a hard year, tougher than we could ever imagine. Like, if I, I would have known it would have been like this, I would have stayed on the ladder with you. <laughs> and I, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be really honest today, a lot of people left the church. It was a mass exodus. Bunch of people leaving, and I get it. I, I never criticized. I understood the church was going through a hard time and a hard transition, and probably looking at us like, youth pastors as leaders, what are they doing? This church is crazy, and a bunch of people started leaving the church. And I'm talking about like it was bad, bad. Some of you were around here three years ago, and you know it was bad. Some people started getting on Facebook and started criticizing us, and I'm going on Facebook like, I thought everybody liked me. And <laughs> it's like I was living in a false world and talking bad about a few of us and all that. I'm just like, God, what do I do? But and it looked like a mountain. And obviously with a bunch of people living, leaving, all the donations leave and tithing and offering went down, like way down, way down. And God, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna close down the doors? Some of us having conversations like what's next week gonna look like? I'm just gonna go get a job, man, and go get a job, and we'll just close the doors and we'll just say, Hey. Calvary was great for the 16 years it existed because it looked like an impossibility. There was a major mountain in front of us, but little by little we started seeing that we serve a God of the impossible. And month after month and year after year we saw family members coming back, people coming back through the doors and numbers start to go back up and souls start to be saved. And I'm thankful that all of us together as a team and as a church, we were able to get to the top of the mountain. And we were able to see that God, there is nothing impossible for our God. Nothing.
past 12 months alone, the year 2019, we've had a grand total of 3,083 people give their lives to Jesus. Come on. Just in one year. Like imagine, imagine if we would have closed the doors down in 2016 and said this is too much, it is impossible, we're out. Well, today here I'm going to tell you that in three and a half years, oh, come on, you, you got to give God some praise for this. We've seen a grand total of 12,875 people call on the name of Jesus and give their lives to Jesus because there were some mountain movers that said we're not giving up. There were some mountain movers that said if God be for us, there were some mountain movers that said if we get to the top of this mountain, there is nothing too hard for our God. Come on, somebody. He's able, he's able, he's able. Three and a half years ago, we had about 200 people serving on Dream Team and People started leaving through that hard transition time. Well, these past three years, we've seen all those numbers change. Today, we can stand here and say that we have a grand total of 475 people serving on Dream Team. Come on, somebody. Can we give a hand to every single person that turns on the lights, puts up screens, sets up stages, serves on Street Team, serves on Kids Team? Come on, somebody. Give them a big, big hand. Come on. Can I tell you? Calvary is not built on the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. Today in the morning, there was people here at 5.30 in the morning getting this place ready so that all of us can enjoy an amazing time in God's presence. 475 people on Dream Team and being added to every single week. And if you're not on Dream Team, I'll encourage you to get on Dream Team today. There's a lot of opportunities. And so we're excited about what God has done in the past. But even with everything he's done in the past, come on, how many know there's more to be done in the future? Come on, anybody believe that? There's more to be done in the future. What's your impossibility? What's before y'all? Finish. Ability? What's before y'all? Finish. Ability? What's before y'all? Finish. Ability? What's before y'all?